Nationwide Building Society, PLC, knows a lot about David Griffin. Let's say that one of their middle managers was to pick up one of my bank statements. They could learn a lot about me. They could see, for instance, that I bought a train ticket uh, yesterday afternoon for Loughborough. They could see how disciplined uh, I am uh, with my money. But more than that, they'd also see what I value uh, as they look at the things that I spend my money on and the the various standing orders uh, that, that go out. Our passage would go one step further than that, however, It would show us that how we use our money, particularly how we give, shows whether we've understood the grace of the gospel. Now, I don't know what you uh, think as we come to a passage that deals with giving. Uh, Let me be absolutely clear at the outset. Um, Perhaps you thought this as you saw the headings and, and as you saw that I was coming to preach. This is not going to be an appeal for money. There is going to be no bucket Uh, at the back of church as we go. Um, But I pray that, like me, as we look at this passage, um, we will be uh, be challenged and moved again uh, by uh, the grace of God. So we're on page uh, 1215, uh, if you're using the church Bibles, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I don't know how you feel when the subject of giving Uh, comes up in in a room less size of variety of feelings. Uh, Perhaps we're feeling stretched. Uh, It can be hard sometimes. We're scraping by and the money comes in and the money goes out uh, just as quickly. We find it's hard to say no to giving, uh, but we know there's just not that much uh, to give. Or perhaps we're feeling guilty. Uh, We're aware of the fact that God has blessed us to live comfortably. We're aware of needs around us, but we don't don't quite get around to giving. And we feel a bit guilty about that. Every now and then there is a a nagging feeling uh, that comes back. Or perhaps we're just feeling indifferent. Uh, We give our time to Jesus Christ. Uh, It's our money. Uh, So surely we can do what we like, a little, a lot, Um, doesn't make a difference, does it? Well, what does God have to say about this? Our passage shows us that when it comes to giving, we are to be grace people. Grace people who do grace giving. We're going to see in this passage uh, grace giving modelled and we'll also see the motivation for grace giving. But first, I want us to set the scene a bit about what is going on in 2 Corinthians 8. This is a letter, 2 Corinthians, where Paul is fighting for his readers' hearts. The church in Corinth are leaning away from Paul and towards the so-called super-apostles. Read through the letter in 2 Corinthians. It's because Paul looks weak. He is rejected by people. He is beaten up. He's a jailbird and he's poor. In his own words, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, 
in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. The super apostles, by contrast, were eloquent and they were slick. And so what must it have felt like uh, for Paul being in that situation? I think perhaps if I was writing this letter uh, to this church, I would say, look, I'm the real apostle, guys. I know I look weak, but despite that, I am the real deal. The apostle Paul actually goes one step further. He says, I'm the real apostle because I look weak. It's very much the heart of the argument in 2 Corinthians. We live by faith and not by sight. Don't live by sight. And so, the Apostle Paul calls this church to partner with him and to share in his poverty by giving. How? A collection for the saints, for this church in Jerusalem that is under intense pressure. A chance to support other Christians, a chance to demonstrate that they really believe that the next life is more precious than this life, and a chance to live by faith and not sight. You might have noticed as we were reading this, this one of the most significant passages in the New Testament about giving is directed towards um, Christians. And sometimes it might be easy to be a bit embarrassed about that, but Paul isn't. And that's because this uh, collection, there is more to this collection uh, than poverty relief. Paul feels an obligation to these Jerusalem saints. This is the mother church. The mother church from these Jewish Christians came at the gospel throughout uh, Europe. It's time to support uh, these gospels, uh, these Christians who brought us the gospel, a love gift, a show of unity for the sake of the gospel. Now these Corinthians were not uh, the first Christians to hear uh, this appeal that Paul's making now. There's another group of people who have already responded and they were the model of grace giving. The model of grace giving. Have a look down at verse 1. In chapter 8, and we're going to meet these Macedonians. Brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the church in Macedonia, imagine Corinthians, they're in the south of Greece, they're hearing about the Macedonian church, they're in the north of Greece. And these, God was at work in in these believers. These people were grace people. They were sacrificial. Have a look at verse 3. Verse 3. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Beyond their ability. This was uh, risky giving. Even though they were in, you see verse 2. Extreme poverty. This is first century. Extreme poverty. They were sacrificial. They were also willing. Have a look at verse 4. 
they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. These Macedonians had something which I sometimes call oomph. Uh, They were proactive. When they heard that things were going on in Jerusalem, uh, they were uh, the first to respond. They didn't wait to be asked, uh, but instead they were the ones who were doing the asking, asking to be included in this work of grace, this collection. And they were devoted to God. Have a look at verse 5. They did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. This was first priority. Willing, sacrificial, devoted to God, and also a model for Paul's readers. Paul now turns to the Corinthians. It's your turn now. Have a look at verse 6. We urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Imagine the situation. The the Corinthians in southern Greece hearing about these uh, Christians up north in Macedonia. You could imagine the Corinthian church talking to each other. Look, did you hear about the Macedonians? Surely we can join. Uh, We can join in this too. I kept asking myself, I wonder how would I write this kind of appeal if this was me uh, writing to it? Perhaps if I was thinking, right, Christians uh, under pressure in Burma, how would I write an appeal uh, to to the church? I I have to confess, on a bad day, I think I would probably... um, I'd probably want to guilt my readers into it. But Paul had a very different approach. Hollywell, I want, you, I want you to know about these Christians. See, you keep driving up the M1, hundreds of miles. There's this church there, and it's in a rotten place. It's the kind of estate that people just want to get away from uh, as quickly as possible. But you know what? They have been so generous. They've gone beyond their means. And I'd like you to join in too. I think of, perhaps know of examples like that uh, ourselves. Uh, like I think of uh, St Barnabas Church where I was uh, placed uh, on placement there. Uh, they just opened a new community centre um, for ministry in their community. They gave millions uh, to, to do that from a church of 500 Readers, it's your turn. Verse 7. But as you excel in everything, faith, speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. We are to excel in the grace of giving. We we spoke in the interview about thinking ahead for uh, assistant pastor Jobs, I, I was having an interview a few weeks ago and the classic job interview question came up. What are your strengths and weaknesses? And well, for this passage it says, make sure that giving is in the strengths bucket. And when it comes to money, I think it's fair to say that all, we all ec- excel in some way. And sometimes it's, it's to excel in our spending. We say, if only I had that thing, I would be uh, happy. 
And yet behind our spending lies that idol of stuff. And the stuff which we tell ourselves deep down it will make us happy. Or sometimes we excel in our saving. We're what the writer called, uh, the writer George Eliot called passionate savers. Um, I found this really epitomized. You may have heard this quote from J.D. Rockefeller, the uh, oil tycoon of the 19th century. He was asked, um, how much money is enough money? And the richest man um, that had ever lived so far said, just a little bit more. Behind our excellent saving may lie the idol of security that says, if I'm secure, I'll be happy. But then there are those who excel in giving, who worship the Lord uh, with their money. And that is the kind of person that this passage is calling us to. That's the model of grace giving. Sacrificial, willing, devoted to God. So if that's grace giving modelled, And what about the motivation of grace giving? Motivations really matter, don't they? And the Apostle Paul knows that when it comes to these kind of things, there can be lots of motivations involved. Some of them helpful and some of them not so helpful. I mentioned earlier, it's very easy um, to, to make these appeals on the basis of guilt. And I have to admit, sometimes the things that I've heard, the appeals, are based on guilt. Um, you don't care enough. But actually, that's not, very, that's not Paul's approach at all. And he's very careful, in verse 8 to 15, to avoid uh, that, those unhelpful motivations, to make it grace-giving as opposed to guilty-giving. Paul is very careful. He makes lots of caveats in these verses. So you see, his appeal is not a command, uh, but a test. Verse 8. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Will they prove their love uh, with their wallet. Sometimes the saying goes, the last part of our bodies to be converted is our wallets. There's no compulsion in this passage. It's a very gentle tone, isn't it? Paul loves uh, these believers, but do they love him? And so this is a litmus test, very much like that, if you remember the uh, school days in the chemistry lab with the litmus paper and you you drop it in and you can see whether this liquid is acid or, or alkali. What colour um, will their love show up? Paul is calling for a sincere love in this area of life. And we say that word love can mean all sorts of things uh, to different kinds of people. Perhaps we think of family or friends. This love um, is a love that responds to the grace of God. See the amazing grace that we're thinking about in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus Christ 
was richer than we could ever imagine. He lived in heaven with his father in the city of gold with stones, with every kind of precious stone, we're told in Revelation. When we rejected him, he didn't have to come uh, after us. Uh, But he did. Uh, Out of love, he became poor. He came to the first uh, backwater of the first century Roman Empire, living as a carpenter's son, lowering himself further than I will ever uh, go, coming to die on a cruel cross, uh, the death of the slave for us, so that we might be rich. Martin Luther wrote, Lord Jesus, you are my righteousness, I am your sin. You took on what was mine, yet set on me what was yours. You became what you were not, that I might become what I was not. Brothers and sisters, whatever our income or our bank balance today, we are rich. We are rich. And one day we will fully receive that inheritance uh, in glory. And it's all because of God's grace. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. And so to be a grace person is someone who, is, who knows that grace of the Lord Jesus and who is willing to give to poor believers as someone who has received the wonderful riches of Christ. Now, people have been very generous uh, to me over the years, uh, particularly when I was a church apprentice uh, raising money. Imagine uh, tomorrow I was to bump into a friend of mine and he told me he lost his wallet and he, would, uh, he needed to buy a train ticket. And I said, no. Imagine that. That would be absolutely scandalous, wouldn't it? We would think, David, you really should uh, know better. But all of us have received an even greater work uh, of grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus, who became poor um, to make us rich. And so how we use our money uh, is a test of how much we've understood uh, the gospel. It proves that we're grace people. And so the thing that I've been struck by in this passage is that if I'm not being generous, it might well be uh, because that I haven't understood the grace of God uh, in the gospel and that I need to return to Jesus Christ and see his grace uh, afresh and what he's done for me. Not a command, but a test. But also, it's not about burdening people but about fairness. Anyone who's familiar with the the giving world will know it can be very easy um, for there to be pressure involved and for people to feel pressurised. And perhaps a number of years ago, you saw the the absolutely tragic story of Olive Cook, uh, who took her life after feeling overwhelmed by charities, posting appeals. I believe she received 3,000 appeals uh, in a year. Paul is aware of the, that these things can sometimes happen. And he is absolutely sure that he does not want 
any of that kind of thing. Verse 13. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. And so if that's us right now, we're feeling like we're only just uh, scraping by, uh, Paul doesn't want us to be uh, hard-pressed. When we're feeling crushed uh, financially, it's it's right sometimes to to drop our giving without, uh, without feeling embarrassed, remembering it's not first and foremost uh, about the amount. There is Christian freedom here. Paul doesn't want us to be hard-pressed. He's so careful about it. Verse 13 again. But there might be equality. Paul saw that these relatively well-off Corinthian Christians had an obligation to their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. It's not... Uh, If we read it quickly, we might think it's some sort of communist Marxism uh, going on here. Um, But it's not, is it? Because this this giving is voluntary and it's not um, compelled uh, by the state. And and yet that doesn't make it any less challenging, uh, does it? Particularly when we think about what um, God has given us. A challenge for fairness. Paul says... If God has blessed you with money, you have a responsibility. Responsibility to love uh, other Christians and to display that grace uh, that has been shown uh, to us. So as we close, uh, wherever we are uh, in giving, this passage has a lot to say to us, uh, doesn't it? If we're feeling uh, stretched, Paul wants to make it absolutely loud and clear Uh, that he's not intending to burden us, that it is right uh, sometimes uh, to drop our giving. And remember that Jesus commended uh, the pennies of that poor widow. If we're feeling guilty, Paul has given us a better motive, uh, the grace of God. Let that be our guide. And if we're feeling indifferent, Paul wants to ask us, have we really understood grace Have we understood grace? If you have, be prepared to teach your wallet a lesson. So what might this look like? Well, in the spirit of this passage, when it comes to giving, this this specific passage is a call um, to excel in giving uh, to Christians, particularly in need, uh, in the work of the gospel. There'd be different ways of doing that. An obvious way maybe to, to give to uh, Hollywell where um, that will be used for the work of the gospel here in Loughborough but also for people overseas where there's um, lots of uh, work with poorer believers uh, over there. Another way maybe to prayerfully give to reputable organisations like Open Doors and organisations that specifically help Christians Uh, in need, much like these Jerusalem uh, Christians were. And there's other organisations like uh, Latin Link and uh, OMF and UFM. I know the McLeans are quite well known to to some of us here who've uh, been working many years with um, Christian Pakistani refugees who've had to flee Pakistan because of persecution. They find themselves in in Bangkok um, because because of the UN centre there. And so the McLeans have been involved 
uh, in that for a number of years. And of course, there, there, are, there will be others that you may know about. The plight of poor Christians really does matter to God. And I think, as I've realized that in this passage, it's not something that is quite um, on the center of my radar when I think about um, uh, how I use my money. And yet, that is a big application, isn't it, um, from this passage. And the thing is with uh, Christians uh, under pressure is that, um, is that they, is that if we don't uh, help them, there, there is very little chance that other people uh, will do. So I think of, I was just hearing about this a few years, a few weeks ago actually. Uh, you may have seen in the news the, um, a lot of the work in, a lot of the things going on in Burma about how a lot of minorities are, are being um, persecuted. But interestingly, one, one Burmese church leader came to us and said, actually, it, the thing you never hear about is that there actually are loads of Christians who are, are suffering under the current regime in Burma, and they're not reported at all. Paul calls not for cynicism, but generosity. People sometimes ask how much to give. Sometimes we may think in terms of tithing, um, perhaps less helpful, as the New Testament isn't uh, so specific. Um, but we do know more about the grace of God than the Old Testament believers do. Grace giving. And so maybe 10% could be a helpful marker, uh, perhaps as a baseline rather than as a ceiling. I'm also conscious, just thinking about this, that it may be so overwhelming that we just don't know where to start. There's so many charities, advertising, so many billboards um, asking for our money. Where do we put it? And so, if, so why not talk to uh, another Christian about this if, if you're not sure and just feeling a bit overwhelmed? I find personally it's helpful uh, to review giving uh, regularly. Sometimes the giving will go up, sometimes it will go, go down. But whatever we do, let's pray uh, that if our bank statements ever go astray, the person who opens it rudely uh, would find a grace person. Let me lead us in prayer. Loving Father, we thank you for uh, the grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you that he became poor, that we might become rich. Father, please help us to, uh, to know the Lord Jesus better and better. Um, help us to appreciate uh, this grace more and more, to be amazed by it uh, once again. Amen.